I, I've actually set my office up. It's very, you've described it as um, Russell from New Girl when mm-hmm. Nick goes and, and uh, sees it for the first time. Um, yes, I, I think that. I'm like, it looks like it looks like it smells like mahogany. Um, Close. Hold on. Uh, it smells like warm leather amber. Ooh, that's what the, can- really that's what the what candle that is on my but... table. This is, uh, here, I'll move the camera so you can see it. Well, maybe I will. Oh, yeah, over there. Mm-hmm. So I have, for the listener, uh, it's very, like, wood-toned, and I have these really swanky brown leather chairs. They kind of remind me of uh, Mad Men. And then mm-hmm. they, the little coffee table between them is is a slab of wood, essentially, like a trunk. But it's, it's manufactured, and so it's not, like, a clean cut off of that. It's just kind of put together. Um, and then there's a drink cart with some whiskey. To my left, your right, probably, but um, it, it's... I haven't drank out of that. It's just for show. It's just Jack Daniels <laughs> and a nice decanter. Um, yeah. Well, it looks nice. Well, I do want to fill it with the uh, non-alcoholic whiskey. Like that, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's called like uh, Monday. Yeah. So uh, I've seen a Facebook ad for it, I think. We should get sponsored by them. And then I can drink it on the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, behind me, I have, so this dresser here, it doesn't match any of the wood tones. So we actually have a laminate sticker coming in to actually lay over the drawers. So it looks like it's going to match the room finally. And then I put that pegboard up there because that's where I'm going to have all my, my extra peripherals. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be a real podcaster. <laughs> but uh, let's just jump into it. Uh, we've got a really one that we we talk about this a lot in our in our meetings, uh, especially when we first started. But it's come up more lately because we're stretched so thin. And we don't really have a title for it. I don't even know what episode we're on. But I think it's like 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20. But uh, this is essentially... It's it's how much you really work when you own your own business. So there's a lot of reasons to get into starting your own agency. It could be it's usually for money, you know, to have um, extra income or to be able to control your income. But the other reason, which is kind of why I got into it, was to be able to control the amount I work and mm-hmm. not necessarily the amount I worked, but when I worked, I didn't want to have to come in at 8 a.m. every day and then clock out by 5 p.m. or stay late if I didn't have to. But uh, so I decided to, to create my uh, own agency, uh, start it that way. And then Cody, you kind of did a similar thing as well. And it really yep. didn't have a lot to do with the money in the beginning. It was just kind of like, I, you know, I don't want to have to work towards someone's goals or, you know, be dictated of where I'm going to be. And then, um, you know, just not be happy in the direction of the company that I'm working for when I can make the direction in my own company. Yeah, that's a big one. So that's some truth there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it uh, it's come up more frequently for me, I think, because of uh, school right now and the whole topic of. So uh, I've said this multiple times before, but I'll just reiterate in case people haven't heard it before that I'm studying Japanese right now. And Japan has a workaholic culture right they call them salary men <laughs> for the guys who i mean it's changing for several reasons but the, it's still a thing and it's still definitely a dominant culture thing of men and now women who dedicate uh their lives to the company and in return the company takes care of them and by the time they are old men and retire and they've given most of their life most of their life to the company uh they're good and they're set and they work a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And they, it's like the further you get in the program, the more they try to hammer it home to make sure that you're aware of what you're getting yourself into. If you really are serious about getting into this, like, hey, if you get a job in Japan, 
and you're not doing something like teaching English and you're actually wanting to be in a Japanese company, you're going to do serious hours. And why, why why do they do that? Like why? Because here I feel like um, working like 80 hours a week, it's only okay if you're making a ton of money. Like if you're, (laughs) if you're making like 60, 60 grand and then you're like, yeah, I'm also pulling in 80 hours a week. People are like, what are you doing? You need to leave that. But if, if someone's like, I work salary, I make 150 K or 200 K pulling 80 hours a week. Like you put two and two together and you're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Someone of that caliber should, but here also, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to just say like, I don't want to work that much for that little pay when I can just start Mm -hmm. my own business. Why is is Japan not in that same mindset? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, (laughs) so, so this is all my not yet fully, fully acclimated opinion. Yeah. Right. This is what's been relayed to me and what I've studied and stuff. But I mean, culturally it's the biggest thing it's, there's a massive cultural difference, uh, in the U.S., especially, entrepreneurs are rock stars. I mean, you, we talk about Musk, we talk about Bezos, people know those names, right? Um, and they're treated like politicians, right? Or better here. But uh, Japan loves hierarchy and they love bureaucracy and uh, entrepreneurship just isn't as much of a thing. I mean, you can debate why, but ultimately, uh, the cultural parts are a, a big element of why people don't go out and start as many of their own businesses in comparison. But also uh, the, the thing has to be addressed about working in Japan. And I would say, what, what is work? Because I'm pretty confident that most people who work in those situations from everything that I've been told and what I can tell is they're not working 80 hours. They are doing, they're stretching 30, 20 hours of work to fit 80 hours because you can't leave work. Well, you can, right? But it doesn't look good if you leave work before your boss and before, you know, they see that it's appropriate. So well, not, that it doesn't, work, not that it doesn't look good. It's just, it doesn't like, you don't look like you're performing above the average if you leave, you know, yeah. before your boss. Yeah. And I don't know, but it's hard because there's a lot of startup scene in general is counterculture. I think, uh, where you have people who, if you have things that are working, especially in the US, if, if you have something that's working, you just do it. You don't care. You don't care what other people are saying or what they're doing. Like, you've already found something that you can do. And you don't have to listen to other people because really, all you have to do, we've said this before, all you have to do is make money. And if you're doing that, then what you're doing is working. <laughs> so whether you do that in 80 hours or 30 hours or, or whatever, um, there's, I just think there's not we're individuals more so we're an individualistic culture. We're not a collectivistic culture. So uh, when we find something that works individually, we don't feel that pressure as much to do things for the sake of tradition or do things because it's respectful. It's just, well, it works. So we're going to do it. And so if we can accomplish 80 hours of work in, in 10 hours, why wouldn't you? That's just dumb. And then if you want to, it's up to you, like you said, do 80 hours of work and make just insane money. Uh, but yeah, culturally, that's the biggest difference from what I can tell is just, you know, you gotta, you gotta put in the time because it looks good to the boss and you gotta be respectful and show your appreciation. And uh, some of that is actually the opposite of efficiency in Japan. Whereas like, if you take something that normally takes a lot of time and you try to do it quicker, then you're actually potentially taking jobs away from people (laughs) because you're, you're being too efficient. And they no longer have work uh, to do. That sounds like only a good problem to have in the U.S. 
yeah um, but yep. i i was gonna say that like one of the I mean, one of the main reasons that i got in here is because or i got into the business scene is because i didn't want to work 80 hours but i still wanted to make you know 100k six figures up and this kind of seemed like the only way to do that also i didn't have a degree so like we're climbing the corporate ladder for me just did not feel like an option because i was always going to have that against me no. so mm-hmm. uh i love the saying that's out there and it was like starting your own business is great or people think uh starting your own business is great because they can pick the hours that they want to work but what they never realize is that they only get to pick which 16 hours of the day they work (laughs) when i started doing this on my own i was like holy shit that's true like like what i mean everything i'm doing is either working like it's either um i am i'm working on tasks that need to be done or you know, once those are done, there's no like relaxing. It's saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, what's next? Because I am, I am CEO. I am the owner. I am the founder. I am, um, and I'm not just speaking us, but like in generalities. Of if you stop doing things when the tasks are done, that's where your business uh, goes to die. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was going to ask. Okay, I get this question a lot still, so I want to ask you two two things. First is how much do you work, and then after that what is work like when you say how much you work and then what mm-hmm. constitutes work uh yeah i don't know well I mean, we've talked about this too before like I, I don't know we both don't know what the clear division of of line is between what is and isn't work so yeah. i mean you brought up the really good points of hey I, I was driving from cedar rapid or from iowa city to cedar falls which is like an hour and a half drive uh but during that drive i took a phone call from a client and i talked to them for 30 minutes does that count mm-hmm. um as work and in, in i guess if you were like a salary man or if you were actually like paid by the hour and you took that call you'd have to log it uh mm-hmm. even if you were driving or whatever so i guess you can consider that work but if i had to actually quantify it because i feel like that's what the listener wants to hear uh is how much do i work it would probably be mm, i bet i put 60 hours a weekend 60 70 hours a week but uh i think a lot of people are gonna try to cram that into monday through friday which isn't the case because i also work on saturdays and sundays yeah no absolutely not weird <laughs> there's at best if we plan for it we can get one day of nothing and it's like we give each other a heads up and well we try and we try to do that now but yeah, we have date like days with apart. our significant others. Mm-hmm. Like we have, like mine is Sunday, and then yours is uh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was in the summer when it was a lot easier to do because it was like, okay, I can put in a lot more time <laughs> the other days um, to actually be like, all right, don't talk to me. I'm out. I will ignore you, um, and I'll deal with this um, probably on Sunday, realistically. Yeah. Um, well, it still goes to shit because I feel like there's always like something that like I have to email you on or like vice versa. And yeah. And a client will call me on Sunday or something. And maybe like Lauren's out of the room or, or whatever, or went to the store to pick something up. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll answer that. But in, in general, like Sunday is, I mean, you even tell the minions are like, Hey, it's Sunday. Jake's unavailable. Uh, yep. Direct things. to me. Yep. So you said 60 ish yeah 60 to 70 it's a very it's a very clear 40 hours um every week monday through friday very clear uh yeah but i would say probably it's actually 50 hours monday through friday so i'm pulling in like 10 hour days and then on saturday and sunday 
I either have a big Saturday and like a really brief Sunday or um, if Lauren's out of town or if we're just not having date day because she has to work on a Sunday, which sometimes happens, uh, then I will do like half Saturday, half Sunday. And so during that time, what is what is working? You're at your computer, you're at your desk, you are in calls, you are you're typing, you're (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) it's 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 harder for me to answer that because i'll be mowing the lawn and get a call from a client or a prospect and because i deal with all the sales like that's what i do like i am on the phone um in general i'm at my computer but um i mean i've taken a client call when i was sitting on the toilet 100 (laughs) percent well the trick is to have the door open so it doesn't echo as much (laughs) (laughs) well i was gonna say uh this is something that Like this is a a logical, I don't know, cognitive dissonance, like a fallacy I tell myself. But if you're on a call, to me, that's work. Like, yeah, Jake's working. That's his job. He he's the call guy. He takes calls. If I'm on a call, I'm like, (laughs) nah, this isn't. Don't call me a call guy. (laughs) (laughs) Call guy. No, but but if I'm in the call, to me, I'm just like, ah, this is a mistake. This doesn't count as anything. This is just unfortunate. That's what it is. You're like, so you're I don't like, really the fact that I even took a call, whether it was or wasn't on working hours is unfortunate. <laughs> I do the same with a lot of like most meetings, though, I guess, too, is if it's a meeting, I don't really like to count it either. Um, is this podcast work? I, I do track this one mostly because it's the same time every, every week and I'm at home in my computer. Um, but like, you know, I met with the minions this week and it wasn't at, uh, um, at my desk here. So I just didn't track that mostly cause I just didn't think to. So I've been doing really bad at tracking my internal labor or like my, my internal time, like awful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not tracking this. And usually I track like when I cut this episode too, but I haven't been tracking it. And, but I am, I am still a stickler on tracking like client calls and, um, yeah. like client work and just internal stuff. I'm, I'm awful at it, but uh, yeah, I, I consider this work. It's, it's a, I mean, at this point it's a non-revenue driving form of work, but it's still work. Yep. Yeah. We've committed to it. Yeah. I would ask me, ask me back. You gotta ask me. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what, how much do you work? That's a great question, Jake. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted you to ask too, because somebody asked me this week and, and I didn't know what to tell them or how to describe it to them. Was it a Japanese um, person? Yeah. Yep. And, well, because. That's all. That's only only people you know. <laughs> yeah, right now, no. But I've had uh, I've had a couple people tell me lately. They're like, you know, you seem awfully afraid of the salary man life for a guy who already works like a salary man. So I I think my comfortable and what I'm happy with working is fifty five to sixty a week, and I can do seventy a week when like I can do sprints for a while when things are terrible. And I just accept it as my life. But then I, I got to have some time off and then get back to that. Uh, but I don't like working only 40. Like I get bored a little bit at that point. But um, it, it's because I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing right now, too, that I'm able to work that much. Um, so like I would say right now, I'm probably doing what I would call 70 hours of work. But when I say that, I consider studying right now work, too, uh, because the I mean, when you go to college, you have credit hours. They say outside of these credit hours, you need to study X amount. And then you're considered this level of student, part-time, full-time. And then, you know, the government even has estimates on what um, what that's worth money-wise, what you should be able to handle outside of that. So when you combine those two things, like here and that, I'm, I'm confident I do 70 hours a week um, between the two. Honestly, at least, probably more. I wouldn't count that. What do you mean? It's it's extracurricular. I wouldn't count that. So, like, I I would count, um, like, if you were, I guess, 
I would count it for you. I, if I was a listener, I wouldn't count that for themselves because the whole purpose of the question would be, is it worth it to start your own thing versus be a salary man? And, okay. and I guess that's what, that's what I would count. Uh, so not, split it in half and say 35 right now while I'm you, in school. You slacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just no, no that, I, that's still stretching yourself super thin though. Like the amount of hours that you're in school, you should only be working like 20 hours a week or 15 hours a week. Well, Japanese sucks. <laughs> I can't drill this home enough to people who don't understand. Um, it's it's not comparable to most languages. If I'd spent as much time as I have so far learning Spanish instead of Japanese, I would be very, I don't know if fluent is the word yet, I would be very competent and not afraid to go to Spanish-speaking countries and converse normally. Keep, keep in mind, too, like Cody and I are partners, so we're putting in a collective 100 hours a week uh to manage our business and if you're solo i mean you you better not have any extracurricular activities because uh or you know you can pick a different business model that's super high grossing in revenue and and very little labor hours um but those people who are successful at those are few and far between not saying it isn't possible but you just have to really know what you're doing Uh, yeah i want to say too i said 35 and i am not moving things forward right now very well at all <laughs> we're man in the summer yeah yeah no in the summer i was doing more and man we got damage done like we moved a lot of things forward um and that's because i was doing a lot more than 40 because i could uh because i just had the hours that i was available to do it but so i think um i think there's a few things to think about with that like you got to be efficient with your time especially if you have a day job and you're doing a side hustle so do things in order of most importance to least importance like do the heavy hitting things you don't there's a big difference between being busy and being productive um, and maybe even being productive and being effective because lots of people feel like they've accomplished a lot in a day and nothing actually moved forward. And that is a very tricky way to feel because you get this warm feeling inside of like, yeah, I got so much done. I did so much. But what if you push it out five years, what did you do today that actually got you closer to those goals you actually want to accomplish the opposite kind of applies too because like there could be value moving things that you're working on that are very heavy hitting but they don't move the needle forward at all like like documentation and processes Mm -hmm. like we were working on that forever and we just felt like we weren't going anywhere with it and then it got done and it just launched us into space yep Uh, yeah it's like a like a stair step right like it feels flat while you're doing it and then once you get it done you, you hit a domino that falls over and then things start to topple. It's like winding back a slingshot. It's like you feel like you're moving backwards because nothing's moving forward, but then like you let it go, it just like launches you. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I had this issue. I think my my older roommate, uh, like two years ago, uh, I, I think I brought up like, hey, I've got to work. And then I remember bitching about how much I had to work just uh, because at the time it sucked. I think it was like, you know, February 2020 or 2020. Yeah, 2020. No, 2021. It was the thing we keep bringing up how it sucked and mm-hmm. he said i was like yeah I, 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 we were just talking about life and i said i feel like sometimes i'm throwing away my 20s just throwing away all the extracurricular activities going out being a 20 year old and or not a 20 year old but being in my 20s and he said something to the effect like yeah you've only got a limited amount of time and you know the last thing i want to do is regret uh not living my life when i was young and i thought that was stupid i was like you're dumb <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just the way that I think. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I. We. We. Him and I like fundamentally disagreed on life. Uh, I'm. I'm very like planning, forward thinking, very capitalistic. Like I want to ha- acquire wealth, and I want to build something for my future, and then also leave to my kids and my kids' kids. And um, he's at the mindset of go to work clock in do the bare minimum make 60 70k a year and then like come home and play uh pc and nintendo switch all night and then if i can hold up i'll i do want to say because i have people who come to me saying that that's their lifestyle and they feel like there's something wrong with them because they're not me and the same thing i tell them every time though is there's nothing wrong with that you shouldn't feel insufficient yeah, I agree. But there is nothing wrong with that. We just fundamentally disagree on life, on mm-hmm. on what is the best. So the only thing wrong with it is if you don't want that and you're doing that. Yeah. Like, then hey, you got to do something. Or okay? or if you want a different outcome, but you're doing the thing that's counter to that outcome. So yeah. if you if you have that lifestyle, like that is going to be your lifestyle forever, unless you get lucky and hit some kind of like lottery or something. But if you don't want that lifestyle in the future, like if you want, um, you know, the big house and the pool and all, whatever, you have to take action now. Like you, this is the sacrifice you have to make. You have to give up your 20s and your 30s in order to have a really great 40s, 50s, 60s. But if you have a really great 20s and 30s, you're going to have a very mediocre to subpar 40, 50, 60s. You know, and maybe you're happy with them. Maybe that's you want kind of a, a sedentary lifestyle um, in your old age. I, I don't. I don't want a sedentary lifestyle in my old age, mostly because I, I just fear uh, death from old age. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I do. And like it's, every, it's irrational. <laughs> I don't know. Fighting a bear uh, cool. uh, I like that. with a bowie knife. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely not by a shark. I'll die by anything, but not in the ocean. Yeah, that terrifies me. Yeah, that's good. Um, but no, I, I, I don't fear death of old age. I fear being incapable in old age and mm-hmm. and not being able to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my drive and ambition comes from the impending fear. I've got a lot of people in my family who don't have uh, a 401k or, you know, a backup. They're just going to rely on Social Security. No, no, no. Uh, which is oh, good for no, no. which is good for them if you know <laughs> if they're already hitting sixty five and retiring. But like uh, I've like oh no 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 uh, like no. my mom and uh, my stepdad and you know even you know people a lot of other people like I I don't know I I can't imagine their four hundred one k is very big uh, and that terrifies me that terrifies me to be in your mid fifties and have less than a decade to figure out what the hell you're going to do. And, mm. you know, just hope your kids mm-hmm. are going to take care of you. And I know I will, I mean, I will do that for my parents, but, uh, I don't like being in that position personally. So I I'm, I'm okay with sacrificing my, my twenties and my youth to build something uh, huge. I, I mean, yeah. you can still party in your sixties. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, how's uh Richard, Richard Branson now? Is he, He's got to be in. He's got to be seventy. He's got to be in his seventy. Let's look it up. Hey, he looks good. I mean, for uh, for an old rich dude. But that's the thing too. You get rich, and then you can be an old dude who's not that old. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's seventy-two. Damn, he's doing great. Yeah. Um, he was a space. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I don't see it like I'm wasting uh, anything. Actually, and I, I, and in fact, because if I felt that way, I would just change something. I don't know. I, I'm doing exactly. And it took me a long time to get here, though. Too. Keep in mind. Like I, well, you're already had, 30. So like your 20s were wasted. It's gone. 
you're not wasting yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I, yeah, I worked in my 20s. I got out of debt. Uh, I started building things in the direction of but that's cool, where though. I want my life to go. You got out of debt. I, I almost, hmm. I, I bet you a very small fraction of our audience is out of debt. Yeah, that's bad. Not a fan. And you, I mean, got, you got out of debt in your, in your 20s, too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you weren't even, like, that's, you know, 80K in college debt gone. Mm-hmm. That I mean, yeah. I, I don't have, I don't even have a, like, my college debt paid off, and I dropped out. <laughs> that's yeah, okay. It, the American taxpayer is going to bail me out. <laughs> you say, there's, there's also, I mean, you got to be clear about what good debt and bad is, right? Like, because, like, a mortgage, okay, mortgage isn't bad debt, right? There's, there's credit card debt, that's terrible. Student loan debt, terrible, right? But, um, like, a mortgage... Uh, what other good debts are there? I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't think, like, I don't know, medical debts? No, that's terrible. That's awful. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're justifiable, right? Or is like, yeah. you can argue that credit yeah. card debts are definitely not justifiable. That's a black hole. Oh, uh, business uh, loans? Yeah, that's a debatable one. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of counter to the way we do things. But well, yeah, because yeah. we're an agency. But if you're going to start a restaurant, you're going to need a business loan. Like no, yeah, no one's starting a restaurant. Yeah, no one's starting a restaurant without a loan yeah. or a yeah. small loan of a million dollars. <laughs> a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I think that you effectively front load your time too when you do this, with the understanding that so like there's no right or wrong way to do this. And the more that we do it, the more that, um, or at least I'll speak for myself, the more I feel that, and that I realize the more time you put into it, the more you get out. So when I put in more time, I get more out of it. Things move faster. Um, that sort of thing. And the general idea is that you front load your time, you put in more time up front so you can chill more later. And uh, if you don't do that, things will go slow. And you you have to do enough to pass the wave that's going against you because at the job, you really you don't have to do that much. Really, you really don't compared to I mean, I, I feel like once you start doing things for yourself, um, especially to the point where like you can replace your job income, you realize how much is needed um, to run a business versus how much is needed to just show up at your job and collect a paycheck and time aside it doesn't matter like there is more work that can be a Um, defining moment in someone's career too like they jump ship and they or and they actually like work on their business full-time and they realize oh it's way better to work for somebody else uh uh-huh yeah and it probably would be like i i've known um people who ran their own businesses went back to a job and they just straight up said they're usually people with families uh but you know they say like i just wanted to be able to clock out at five and then go go to my kids basketball game or go drink a beer in the garage and not think about work i'm a little i'm a little envious (laughs) yeah yeah no i mean that not not enough to do it but (laughs) enough to like um live vicariously yeah i'd say i'm envious of just the fact that they even want that because something went wrong in my life to make me feel like I need to do so much. <laughs> like I, I feel like just this constant deficiency and that I need to go prove myself. Dude, um, I feel the same way. For, Maybe that's why we work no so reason well. in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I really do. I don't like, know I, who I, I'm trying to stick it to, <laughs> but it's I think, not even to myself. I'm just like, hey, I, this is what I do. Yeah, I think it comes from me being the third child. Um, I, I just feel like my... Uh, brother and sister always got a lot of attention 
um, my brother got a lot of praise, my sister got a lot of punishment, and then I was just kind of there. Mm. But, um, and, and they went through life quicker than me, uh, at least like, you know, because I'm still in high school and they're, you know, four years out of high school. But I, I've always felt like there was like a need to prove myself. I, I, and really, besides that, I don't know why. So this is one of the reasons why I'm so obsessed with sinking all of my time into my business and just my um, kind of career opportunities, whereas they don't. I think at some point along the time, I developed this belief, and I don't know why or where or how, but it's this, it's actually, in many ways, counter American, because I think the general American belief is, um, there as an individual, <laughs> you're entitled to the life that you choose, and whatever it is that you want to do is okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I disagree. I think everybody is born with uh, potential. And that by itself means nothing. There's plenty of people who have great potential and they're worthless. They've accomplished nothing. Um, like talent is just garbage. Like I've just seen way too many people outwork talented people. Um, but I think in general, at least for myself, that um, like I have a responsibility to live up to my potential. And I think that um, I don't know what my expectations are of other people. I don't know if I expect that from them. It's not really. I mean, everybody, you can do whatever you want, um, but I like to see it. I guess is how I'd say it. I'd like to see when people see what they're capable of or want to find out what they're capable of and then just go max it out because just absolutely balls to the wall, crush it, go as hard as you can and see what you can do. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. Especially, especially because I have depression and I hate when people want to use that as some sort of crutch. Some sort oh, of like, yeah. oh, well, well, I'm broken in some way or another, so I can't do the things that normal people do. Yeah, like, I have, I have debilitating anxiety. Like, yeah, so do I. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, everyone's anxiety and and their ailments are different, and there's different degrees, and you know, you can never understand what somebody else is experiencing. But I also feel like you shouldn't make it a crutch. You should mm -hmm. uh, figure out how to adapt. Like, and and if you use it as an excuse, uh, one, get help, and then two adapt it, like and, and be honest with yourself like do you really want to work this much do you really want to uh either work this much for somebody else or work this much for yourself because if you don't uh, there's always this there's this um les brown motivational speaker he there was something that stuck out with me and like i usually don't like the motivational speaker stuff because to me it can get kind of cringy but there was one and it was like if you want success more than you want to breathe you're going mm -hmm. to find a way and it was it, it was like part of a workout motivational thing that i used to listen to but it kind of came the, the whole idea in the video is that like if you if you want to push harder you have to want to do that more than you want to breathe. And this is kind of how I am dealing with both depression and anxiety, which is I want to succeed and have something to show for it more than I want to breathe. And so I'm going to find a way to figure out how to make this work. And, you know, sometimes that requires you to partner with somebody who, well, in my case, it was somebody with the same issues, but we alternate cycles. <laughs> yeah. we're like we're like two women with periods, except we alternate cycles. <laughs> That's great. Great explanation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems like every time you're like, you're like, Hey, I am not doing, I'm not functioning well. I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a break. I'm like, That's okay. I am in kill it mode right now. And then like, we literally just rotate. Mm. And we can step up. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, what I said earlier could seem like I don't have empathy or sympathy for the people who are in those situations. And I want to be very clear. Um, and like I've, I've taken personality tests and they'll listen about myself and I have extremely high empathy. So I know what that's like. It absolutely sucks. And I've been there and we could 
expand on that pain forever. But I also have zero accommodation. So what this means is I will listen to you for an hour and then say, hey, that really sucks. What are you going to do? <laughs> what You tell me what you're going to do because I'm not going to do anything for you. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I just don't think I think it's one of those things that you don't help people. People help themselves and you can help them help themselves. Um, but there's a there's a difference. There's a very fine balance between helping people to help themselves, help themselves and enabling them in a bad place. And you need to be very careful and um, make sure that what they're doing is with their own, you know, their own motivation. Yeah. There, then there seems to be like this other notion of too, like when I was starting Evergrow, I was like real, I was a real strong proponent of people starting their own business. And whenever somebody mm. was like, I need to find another job, like this doesn't pay as well. I work too many hours. I don't work enough hours. I was always like, start your own thing. Like do your own, like start, like literally just like whatever you want to do, start it. And then, because I was under the mindset that um, anybody could be a business owner, as long as you anybody and anybody wanted to be a business owner like as long as you found something you wanted to do but even if you found something you wanted to do running your own business might not be the thing you want to do and mm -hmm. i it took me a long time to realize that because in my head i'm like why wouldn't anybody want to you get to pick your mm -hmm. hours you get a uh base you control I mean, there um i hate quoting this guy because i absolutely cannot stand this guy i hate this guy <laughs> to a core but robert kiyosaki um mm. uh god i loathe him I love him because he's like a strong MLM supporter. Like he he is like super into pyramid scheme crap. And he like wrote this book, co-wrote this book with some other MLM guy called The Business of the 21st Century. And I realize I'm promoting it more than I'm bashing it now because I'm mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's a super short book, but it is just awful. And then like ever since I read that, I'm like, this guy sucks. <laughs> but um, in his um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, he's got this thing. I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's like some... It's like the uh, the the chart to security. I don't remember, but I, it has four quadrants. And quadrant, um, it doesn't go in order. It doesn't go in order like a typical X Y quadrant um, chart. But quadrant run, quadrant one is the top left. That is, uh, I believe, that's employment. Um, and then quadrant two is uh, after that. I think it's oh yeah, it's small business owner. And then quadrant three, which is the top right, is a big business owner. And then quadrant four, which is the bottom right, is investor. And you get progressively safer and safer as you move from quadrant to quadrant. So as an employee, it, his philosophy is it's the least safe position to be because you are not in control of your job. Somebody else is. Mm -hmm. uh, quadrant. And so that, that's like counterculture right there, right? Because everyone says the safest thing to do is be employed, have a have a guaranteed check, um, have your benefits. But of course, it's not guaranteed because what people don't realize is that business can go under. You can lose your job. There can be downsizing. And then what? Or if you control... Just get a government job. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, they're, ne they're never going to downsize um, <laughs> or fire their terrible employees. Yep. But... And then quadrant two, which is a small business, is safer because now you can build your small business to, uh, you know, or, or you're in control of your own of your own check. You're in control of how many clients you get, uh, how many people you hire, and how much money you make. But your income is highly in dependent on the market and you. So mm -hmm. it's only safe to the point of work you're willing to put in. And then quadrant three is a big business owner. Uh, you've got lots of people in there. I think they define it as like 200 employees as big business owner. Yep. And it is safer. It's safer to 
um, withstand blows from the market and the economy. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still not the safest, whereas the safest would be investing. Uh, whether that is, I've put a weird emphasis on that one, investing. <laughs> but as Jim, I, think, I was like, I want to say it again it, to make it less like investing. Was it like, was it Jim Carrey that said I uh, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, <laughs> or was that Robin Williams? I can't remember. But uh, investing, so you know, buying into companies um, as an investor, or kind of what you're doing in the uh, um, what's the book we're reading? Are we read that you read the, the oh simple? Oh shit, I just did the sound simple thing. path to wealth. Um, yeah, simple path to wealth. I think that's right. Where you're just, you're basically just dumping everything to an index fund yep, and cashing out on the 4.2% return. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously the safest thing to do. Obviously people are gonna be like, no way. Like the market sucks. Yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. Oh yeah. You need bonds to balance it out. Blah, blah, blah. How about you read the simple path to wealth before you get on your judgmental high horse? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be like, I'm smarter than that. I can, can, I know the market. I can predict the market. Yeah. Yeah. No, you that's how I know you're stupid. <laughs> uh, I did. I wrote down two more notes. Or do you have more? No. I, I, okay. I was going to say, I, I think uh, the biggest thing for me, and it's because we're still relatively early on, I think the money is still the, the big money. The bigger money is still yet to come uh, because that's what happens is like you, you do make the jump and, you know, you have to, it's not immediate. When you start your own business, it can take years before you really get the bigger paycheck. Or so for some people, you have to wait until you cash out before you really make the big bucks. Um, but the thing that is worth it is controlling your time. And for me, that's like the one thing. Like, because I've said before, for me, I could do a job. Um, and for, it's like a 55 45 thing, but the, that extra 5% is being in control of my time. If I want to go do something, I can. I'll have to, de- I'll, I'll deal with it later and I will and it'll suck, but I get that choice. Whereas nobody's going to tell me now, like, hey, you uh, you weren't here at this time because you're supposed to be. You're like, who who cares? I got the work done. The work is done. Everybody's happy. That doesn't matter. I'm so less stressed when I miss our Monday meetings, like our team meetings forever grow than I am like my day job. If I miss my day <laughs> job team meetings, I'm like stressing out. But sometimes like I just miss our meetings. Like I oversleep or something. And I'm like, it's not setting a great example, but... Guess what? I'm not getting fired. You're like, Cody's there. He's got it. <laughs> so there was that one day you weren't there. And then like they were just sitting there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm just like, where are you guys? That was a shame and dishonor. <laughs> I was yeah. like, man, if I were UT, I would have bounced. But no, they just sat there and hung out. <laughs> Good minions. Very accommodating. <laughs> but I oh, did, but I, I did jump I wrote, in, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got it. Sorry. Had to throw that but, in there. Yeah, yeah. We, the other thing I was going to say, though, is you were talking about the stability thing. And I want to point out that... Uh, because I think from an operations perspective, that's where my brain is at. And if it's just you, and it probably is, if you're listening to this, it's probably just you. No matter what you do, um, you're not going to have a bigger team unless you're going to go. If you go down that route, you're going to have much more complex business models than the type of stuff that we're doing. And that can give you more stability because when you add complexity to a big a business, it makes market entry more difficult and lowers your competition. And we use this when we talk about uh, lawn care businesses all the time. It's a it's a zero entry thing. It's a it's a kid's pool. You buy a mower, you go mow. That is not hard. Uh, so if you're by yourself and you're starting a marketing agency, something like that, your business is unavoidably unstable. There's nothing you can do about that. But as you grow and as you work internally on your processes, you make product as services, whatever your approach is, you can add stability. 
and get to that point where you are making your business more stable. And the more complex you make it, uh, better you get. I think the, a very good example of this is Samsung, right? Samsung is like 20% of South Korea's GDP. Who can do what Samsung does? Not very many people. And that's why an entire country gets 20% of their GDP from one company. Yeah, until that like, company goes under and the whole economy crumbles. Yeah, that's the downside for the country. But, <laughs> but Samsung's company, just like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're like, who cares? They're like, look, if we go down, like, there's bigger problems out in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To get to that point in our business would be phenomenal. Yeah, I, I like thinking that way. I think it's fun uh, to think about as you add stability and uh, just how this is a, a I'm, I think negatively, I, I like default think in negative ways, but I'll say it is still nice to think like, well, our clients need us or our customers, whoever it is, right, need us just as much or more than we need them. Like if Samsung goes under, so what are people's options? I mean, they do have alternatives. Um, they have Apple, they have like a Pixel. It depends on the product they're buying, but like that's tough. That's a very big deal. That's an impact on the world. Maybe we'll see a but, bigger resurgence of BlackBerry. <laughs> are they still around yeah they are they started they're still bringing out smartphones um i played with one not too long ago it, it had like a it had they're really trying to do the unique keypad thing like half touch screen half like trackball it's a little mm, it's a little okay. funky yeah i think nokia is still around too yeah i looked into nokia actually but they they got some more get to do too <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really great so this is nokia is exactly what happens when your business is thriving and you just do the tasks and then you don't look forward <laughs> into like the future. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, oh, so I, so I kept looking at my window. I don't know. The listener had no idea, but I was like filming out my window because yeah, what's going on. There were like 12 turkeys, turkeys, Turkey. I don't know how to, turkeys. I don't know what plural, plural with an S turkeys. Yeah, I think so. So there were 12 turkeys in my yard, just like picking nuts off the ground. And they were huge. And some of them were running, dude. Some of them look like chocobos from Final Fantasy. Like, <laughs> like big. And we've been waiting for turkeys to land in our yard since we moved here. Uh, because our dogs would just go crazy. Uh, as you can hear, one of They're them like, squeaking. Thanksgiving's toys. coming up. Yeah. You gotta get ready. <laughs> and uh, so Lauren and I, we call them guys. We're like, look at those guys. Or gobbly guys is what we call them. And so uh, this was the first time we saw turkeys in our yard since we moved here. Uh, so I was recording them uh, in the yard. But Good. well, I think that's everything we have for this episode. So uh, uh, we'll awkwardly say goodbye. Yeah, uh, I'm not even trying to recap that. So yeah, just listen to it again. You liked it. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. See you, everyone. See you.